Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I'm joined uh, with the wonderful Jason Johnston Yellen. And together, we are nosing a bottle of whiskey that we got pre pandemic like just at the beginning of pandemic or during pandemic dude it says 2020 on there yeah i don't know why you're trying to ask questions about pandemic timing we know none of it makes any sense none at all i you know we'll go this far yeah these hand-filled casks say bottled 2020 no month no day of a month no time yeah. of a day of a month just 2020, Just which is 2020. kind of how 2020 feels, right? Oh, when did that happen in 2020? In oh, 2020. it happened in 2020. <laughs> I get you. I hear you. So, that makes so good J- sense. <laughs> so you and I, Jason, are enjoying a, a Glen Murray Distillery exclusive Sautern cask from 2006, bottled in 2020. So 14 years in Sautern. It doesn't say finish. So... So I have to yeah, assume... Yeah, just have been full maturation. Full maturation. What's your bottle number? My bottle number on this is... Oh, jeez. What's your bottle number? I asked first. 77. <laughs> Mine says number one. No, it doesn't. Yours does not say number one. <laughs> you would not have opened it if it said number one. I absolutely would have opened You would have? Up. I absolutely would have If it says bottle number one. But listen. No. Let's let's be clear with our with our okay. listeners. Yep. Yep. The yep. reason we are enjoying Glen Murray during mm-hmm. today's recording mm-hmm. is because we are recording this mm-hmm. while Jess is at a spirit of Speyside dinner at the distillery. And you, my friend, are sitting in Connecticut, and I am sitting in Virginia, and Jess is at the bloody distillery. And our good friend, <laughs> Jason, don't you laugh at me. Only laugh with me. I love me. your use of and. That was excellent. <laughs> our good friend, Ian Allen, who is like Mr. Glenn Murray. What's it? I, I know he's the visitor center manager, but he travels the world talking <laughs> about Glenn Murray a, doing the shows, right? So it's, it's a title that he that hasn't been updated since he was hired. You know, seven <laughs> so the janitor years ago at, or so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. He's got uh, the run of so, the place. But listen, Ian Allen's birthday was just a, a couple days ago, a couple days from this recording. So I well, that's cheapers creepers. Yep. So there you go. So to, to Mr. Ian Allen. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Ian. How old is he? <laughs> Ian Allen has to be near our age. He's in his forties. And I learned that from you, Joshua. And <laughs> if if I am correct, and I'm uh-huh. I'm. Dealing in the realm of memory, so I could be very wrong. Oh, if yeah. memory serves correct, this Sauternes that you just gave the distillation year for would have been distilled the year Ian started at the visitor center. I think you are correct. 2006. So this is like, this is birthday upon birthday right here. Look at this. This is Whiskey Inception. Whiskey Inception, yeah. Did you bring your top with you? 
You just spin it. Yes. It has been spinning for the first few minutes of this episode. So let me ask you this, because we have a we have got a lot to get to. Did you or did you not save an email to PDF to then print yes, down off of your your no printer? Printing. No printing. No printing. No printing. I, I have my PDF on my screen as we speak. So you have an email in the chamber. Ready it's to in rock. the chamber, yes, sir. I would Ready love to, to hear. <laughs> I want to hear from one of our listeners right now. Would you mind bringing that PDF up? <laughs> Fucking PDF. The reason... Can we just take a minute? Again, PDFs. Go on. I, I stand by it. Stand by it. <laughs> if I if I told you the reason that this is is being read at the top of the show is because this is the latest installment from the Ice Cream Man. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, I saw this email when it came in. And uh, yeah, re- <laughs> read it. Oh, that, just... <laughs> so this is why, this is why I convert them to PDF because I want to get them out, the info account as quick as I can so you don't have a chance to see them. I know, I know. So that I can surprise you on the, the pad cost. I I know. Well, I'll, listen, I also don't, I've got the memory of a gnat these days, so there's a good chance I've forgotten <laughs> a lot of what was hey, written. Not just, not, not just the memory of a gnat. Um, moving on. The Ice Cream Man writes... The wings? The wings of a gnat? <laughs> Dear J, J, and J. Hmm. I'm reverting to my original salutation in this note and apologize if the quote guys from my last email was too abrupt. It sure sounded like it when I heard you read it back on wax. So public public guys. service guys delivered. I was listening to season 7 episode 5. Mm-hmm. on a flight en route to Scotland and was horrified to find that my previous phonetic spelling of my last name was still confusing. Yep. You got the hey part in the first syllable correct. Hey. So, so we're, we're off to a good start. The G-E-N part in the second syllable contains a hard G. So it's like the G in Glengoyne rather than giant. Can I, can I pause you there really quickly? I thought a hard G has the J sound where the soft G has the <laughs> G Like G sounds much softer than J. <laughs> right so so hey if it were a hard g wouldn't it be hey jen and a soft g would be hey again i really don't want to get inside the head of joshua hatton right now it really it messes me up for days after okay, just after quick, i've been in really there. quick really quick gun to your head which sounds harder g or j <laughs> it's the j i think 
G sounds harder. No, you're wrong. Everybody's wrong. J sounds softer to me. But I'm adjacent, wow. so but as a J, I'm used like to a being G. a softer. It's like you got hit with a rhythm stick, like J. Oh, slow down there, Ian Jury. Simidon. <laughs> <laughs> hit me, hit me, hit me with your rhythm stick. All right. Go ahead. So I think we can we can rightly assume yeah. that this is Hagen. Not, yes. not Hagen. Yeah, Hagen. Which we left the door open for yeah. last episode. But this is Hagen. 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 You know where you stand with Chris Hagen. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Hagen, the ice cream man. So he, th- there are two more paragraphs. And one of these paragraphs is the best paragraph I think we've ever read in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Those, Jason... With a, a hard G, I think. J. Is it, is it a hard J? Oh, wait, are you Jason? You're Jason. You're, um, that is quite the declarative statement. Isn't it? And I, I 1,000% stand behind it. I do too. Or my, my Nat's memory recollection of it. Go ahead. You, you read it. You read it. I I wish the listeners could have seen your face when I said a thousand percent because it is not something we say around these we parts. We do not say it ever, around these parts ever. Yeah, listen, it and is I just what threw it, is, it right Jason. at you. All right, so so the ice cream man says, Chris Hagen says, I traveled to the west coast of Scotland with a couple of friends from my whiskey club in Chicago, and if you if you remember the original installment of of Chris's email was a tasting that he'd done and, and how it had gone and how people thought he was really, mm. you know, s- selling a single cast nation a la Tupperware. We visited Oban, Ben Nevis, Ardnamurkin, Tobermory, Deanston and Glengoyne over the course of four days. That's great. So it was a whirlwind. He's not wrong. Mm. We had a blast. The weather was perfect and the people were so welcoming. Makes me very proud to be a Scotsman. The distilleries were fantastic and we also enjoyed some amazing drams at the Whiskey Vaults in Oban and the Pot Still in Glasgow. Oh, there you go. Very nice. And now, and now here, here comes a top drawer paragraph. Chris writes, Funny story. During our tour and tasting at Tobermory, we were paired with several gentlemen from another whiskey club in the US. (laughs) I was talking to one of the gentlemen from Seattle and he asked if we knew of SCN. (laughs) I said, of course. We performed the secret nation member handshake and I asked if he was <laughs> caught up on the latest One Nation Under Whiskey pad costs. When he indicated that he was, I whispered, I'm the ice cream man <laughs> in his ear. It was fun to see how his face lit up. I think this name is going to stick. Yours truly, Chris, the ice cream man, Hagen. Fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing. Such a small world. It is such brilliant. Such a such a small whiskey world. I just just remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. 
when I first read that paragraph, it made me think of, of the story where you and I were at Kilholman Ar- with Jess. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ardbeg. Let me finish, because okay. I, know, I know which Ardbeg story <laughs> you're going to tell, which involves a member from Seattle. Uh-huh. But mine is when we were at Kilholman, you, me, okay. Jess, Sweet Scott, and Andreas. Oh, right before the phage. Right before yeah. Fijil, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you and I were standing talking and whoever we were talking to, and Anthony Wills was around and Dave Broom was around and, and so on and so forth. And a couple had gone past us and the guy had turned back to look and and I had laughed. And he stopped in his tracks and came over and said, I thought it was Jason and Joshua. But as soon as I heard you laugh, I knew it was Jason and Joshua. I just want to say hello, love one nation under yeah. whiskey, so on and so forth. And and in reading this paragraph from Chris, I was like, is Chris's story better than that story? And I thought, it is. It is better than that story. Yeah, and so I confidently say this might be the best paragraph uh, ever read on one yeah, nation under whiskey. Absolutely fantastic. Imagine getting to say, I'm the ice cream man. That's so brilliant. So brilliant. I just want to know if he sang it. Did he say it or <laughs> did he sing it? He just whispered it. I maybe there was a little, you know, a lilt. A rhythmic. <laughs> a rhythmic lilt. A so rhythm. listen. We have a bunch of things to get to. I mean, first and foremost, we've got Bill Thomas back on the podcast here, and you you conducted another interview with him, and and I've I've told you this before, and and I'll 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 remind the listeners. I feel as if the best interview you've ever conducted was your first interview with Bill Thomas. Now I've not heard today's interview. So I'm going to be listening to it for the first time, just like all of our listeners. But um, you set the bar high, Jason. So so we'll see where it goes this time around. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. <laughs> when we finished the recording, Bill said to me, do you think any of that's of use? <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, wow and i said to him yeah i think it's definitely of use and he said but it was just you and me sitting here having a chat Uh (laughs) and i was and i was like yeah that's all we ever do with any of these (laughs) and you've been on one before he said yeah but this time it just felt like like I was just, just saying stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah. For the benefit of our listeners who have mm-hmm. not yet heard a word of this interview, there is a point in this interview where I say to Bill, Bill, you understand these mics are on, right? <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not sharing any of the business stuff. I'm just telling you personal stuff. And I was like, Okay, so long as you're comfortable sharing this personal stuff with listeners around the world, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cool. But it 
kind of shows where our chat was at that day and where his head was at mm. that day. I said this before, and I I said this on the original interview with Bill as well. Bill is one of the busiest guys I know in the entire whiskey industry. Mm. He's always moving. He's always shaking. He's always traveling somewhere. He's always working on the next deal, the next arrangement, the next person he needs to get back to. When I get five minutes with Bill... I feel like those are the most precious five minutes around. But I'm always on tenterhooks talking to him because I'm thinking how busy he is. And I'm thinking that he needs to get away to do the next thing. And with each passing minute, I'm thinking, this is getting closer to the end of my time talking to Bill, right? Yeah. And then five minutes sometimes becomes 10, becomes 20. I, I've i literally had a phone call with Bill where he and I talked on the phone for an hour and I've thought to myself, he could have done literally a thousand other things during these 60 minutes. Yeah. And he just spent them talking to me. Gosh, I, I feel quite lucky right now. <laughs> and, and, I, and I never take any of that lightly. Yeah. On the day that I conducted this interview with him, I spent four hours with him at Jack Rose. Four hours? Oh, that part I didn't know. (laughs) Okay. Wow. And only only one hour Jack Rose lost so much money that day. They nearly (laughs) shut their door (laughs) because you spent four hours with Bill. (laughs) Good news. It happened on a Monday and they're not open on a Monday. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. But we're thinking there you but go. Yeah. listeners will hear and it and it does become more pronounced towards the end of the interview. Okay. They unexpectedly, and I say they, Bill Thomas didn't know what was happening. It was it was in a book, it was in a calendar, it was scheduled. Mm-hmm. They had a hood cleaning happening in the kitchen. And we were recording in the bar at the farthest mm. spot from the kitchen door. Yeah. And for the most part, it was just kind of in the background. And I said to Bill, look, we've recorded in in active distilleries, right? Our listeners know what it means to have some industry-specific background noise. Mm -hmm. It was only as we got really close to to the end of the interview and actually hitting the stop button that it really got pronounced. So... I don't quite know like how pronounced it's going to be or if we're going to lose any part of, of the interview when you finally listen to it. Wow. Will all the dialogue will just be... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but like, like I say, nothing, mm. nothing was off the table here. We drank, we tasted. Um, I will come back and I will circle back to, to one of the things we taste once you and I come out of this interview. I'd like to spend some time with, okay. with you and that. And yep. share a little secret. Oh, I love secrets. I've got a secret, a secret, secret. All right. So let's hand it off to you and Bill. All right, so I'm sitting at Jack Rose with Bill Thomas once again. Uh, hello, Bill Thomas. Hello. You have been busy pouring 
Jefferson's Ocean. Cash strength. Cask strength. Jack Rose cask. Jack Rose single cask, yeah. And a Westland Jack Rose single cask in Mezcal. Yes. But before that, we were drinking a Harvey Fry. Oh, can I say? A Linkwood. Uh-huh. Link uh-huh. uh, from 1983. <laughs> that, that Harvey so generously uh, gave us for this podcast. Uh, bless him. Bless him. He is with us in spirit. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, a cheeky little 19-year-old May 03 bottling of, of yeah. Blinkwood. That's, uh, well, cheers to Harvey. Cheers, cheers to, to Harvey. you. Um, Bill, the, the last time we were here, I had a lot of questions for you. And we said at the time that we were definitely coming back with a second episode. And so as we sit here... Uh, in the month of March, you have now been, like a lot of us, coming out of this pandemic uh, longer now. And I'm, I'm curious, when we talked before, we were talk, you were talking about keeping the lights on, the doors mm-hmm. open, taking care of the staff. It, w- it was all really, yeah. really wonderful stuff. What's it looking like now? How is DC, how is Jack Rose, how is Bill Thomas? Uh, DC is still hurting because it's the federal government hasn't come back to work. Oh, we were, okay. we were um, the news report was, this was months ago when they came out with when people were getting back to work. D.C. was the least getting back to work city in America. Oh, wow. Had the most um, uh, liberal policy when it came to not returning back to the office. Okay. So most people ended up only, are still only required one day a week. Uh, my fiance is uh, with the Department of Defense. Oh, she's an epidemiologist with the Department of Defense, <laughs> and uh, she's still uh, only uh, back to work one day every pay cycle, or something. So every two weeks. Okay. You know, which is when you when you've lost that many people in the city, and the, and the mayor has been very outspoken, and I think um, uh, about you know the federal government either get your people back to work or give up some of the buildings so we can get some tax uh, revenue. I mean we're. Uh, DC, I think she's doing her best to um, try to figure out a path forward through COVID, through the aftermath of COVID, because that's really where we are business-wise is uh, COVID in terms of uh, being uh, scary is over, but the long-lasting effects on the business community, especially hospitality, is still rearing its ugly head in a way that we're realizing is probably permanent. So, you know, where we are going to, and I don't blame people. I, I, you know, I don't blame my fiance for wanting to work from home. Sure. sure. Um, It's an amazing opportunity to, to, you know, and I think that to be honest with you, a lot of people are more productive uh, working from home (laughs) than they are. I mean, obviously, you know, commutes and, and, uh, and all that. I I think that it's probably really good for us um, to have this kind of policy, but it's going to take three or four years for, a city like D.C. and ma- many other major cities to adjust to the lack of commercial traffic being here. Sure. Um, you know, the lack of, you know, business people coming out with their coworkers for happy hour or getting together for lunches or uh, talking about new places they've been. That, 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 that sense of community within the workforce, I think, is, is eroded and is probably permanently eroded. Wow. So, so, so you think even the city is, cities writ large? are changing the way they operate by, there, by necessity? Yes. I, I mean, I, I think uh, there might be a few exceptions, but I think for the most part, um, we're going to have to readjust. Obviously, traffic counts, Yeah. you know, walk by, all of that's going to change. 
Um, the, the one thing I do think or I do hope happens is, and there's already been an announcement within this city, that some office buildings will be converting to residential, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I mean, the more people that live here, the better. Um, you know, Jack Rose, I purposely, I've never opened up a, any one of my businesses in a solely commercial district. I've always tried to be in a neighborhood because I think the neighborhood is what gives you soul. Mm-hmm. That's your regulars. Um, and then be as close to as many hotels and some office buildings as you can. That's kind of always been our uh, business model. And thank God, because I think it's been a saving grace for Jack. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, the regular community, as well as the specifically the whiskey community, the outpouring support was enough uh, to keep uh, everyone employed and, and keep the lights on. But now we're looking at, you know, a lot more tourism mm-hmm. as being a prop up. We're going to have to have more people visiting the city on that than office workers during the day. Sure. And we're going to have to be really focused on, you know, uh, things that, and I already do this now, is like you can only go to the whiskey community so many times <laughs> for so many tastings. I mean, they're they're like me. They're, they're, they're insatiable, but their pocketbooks yep. have limitations. Absolutely. So we're looking at a, an instance where, you know, I can, I can put together seven days a week tastings. I have so much product um, that, that's amazing. So many great whiskeys. I mean, we could go, we could do every distillery probably in Scotland right now, you know, multiple times with single cash strength bottlings. We have so much, obviously between my potential collection and Harvey's collection, yep. there's so many tastings, but there's not enough days in the week and there's not enough money to yeah. go around. And, yeah. and that's the biggest problem right now. We, we're, we're focused on tastings. We're focused on whiskey. Whiskey's up 35%, but you can only ask people to come so many times. So I find myself trying to do uh, more expensive tastings that have like either a single barrel uh, that comes with the tasting or, you know, older expressions that are more costly. And then I'll have a more inexpensive tasting. Um, uh, I think this weekend's coming up is uh, a Pandaren. On the 11th, we have a Pandaren tasting, which is going to be uh, $65. Okay. Right? So that's on the on the lower side of things, um, plus tax and grad, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. It keeps it inexpensive. If you want to buy a bottle of our single barrel Pandaren, you can afterwards. But I, I didn't couple that one because it would be a $200 ticket, and that's just um, <laughs> with, a, with a bottle, you know? Are people... So you didn't do that. Have you done that in other instances and people have been happy to, to oh, pay the larger price and get more absolutely, things? Absolutely, absolutely. We, um, well, always to get a bottle to go, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So, um, and of course, right, you're, you're going to have your mainstream or your, your bigger, you know, if I did, you know, if I did a Macallan single barrel, which is never going to happen, <laughs> but if I did one and you include that in the ticket, it wouldn't matter. People yes. would come because it's yes. Macallan and yes. the, the dev- devotees of Macallan are going to show up. Yeah. Um, when you're promoting something like Pendaren, where, um, you know, it's been around now, I don't know, 13 years, I guess, I'm, I'm guessing, something like that. And it's still yeah. an unknown quantity to a lot of people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though I think that, you know, it's something that this is our second single barrel of. We're, we're very excited about it. We're high on pandemic. Um, it was actually uh, high on pandemic. I, know, I, th- I thought you high just said pandemic. high on high pandemic. On pan- <laughs> this is only my second dram of the day. Um, <laughs> Pendaren. Uh, in fact, it was one of the last tastings that we had before the pandemic. Hmm. Uh, we did a, um, uh, someone was in from the distillery. I, I can't remember who. And we did it in the basement here at Jack. Um, and Harvey was there. And Harvey complimented them out loud in front of everyone on their diluted. Oh, wow. Uh, 
and not every, a everybody was like, a, not all. a Harvey move at all. So um, <laughs> for Pendaren to get that that seal of approval, wow, uh, one of the last from Harvey on uh, on diluted, and then obviously they had uh, we had some cash strength expressions as well, which yep. he uh, really liked. Um, it's good to have Pendaren back, but you know I I feel like that's something that I want people to try if they want to pick up a bottle. Let, let's see what they do. Now, obviously, our last barrel sold out. Um, so we're, uh, you know, we, we didn't have any reservations about doing it, although the cost of everything is up. Uh-huh. Everybody, you know. <laughs> You'd have to tell us. <laughs> yeah. We're it's, living that every it, day. It's going to be a little more expensive than the last expression. Yeah. Um, How are you finding consumers responding to that? And I want to come back and talk to this, this Westland in just one second because I took a sip and it, wow, amazing. Um, I want to come back to that. But how are you finding consumers responding to everything being more expensive? Um, you know, that's, it's definitely tough, but we try to figure out other ways to give value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the daily drinker, uh, we're just, you know, they don't have to say anything. We know yeah. what we need to do, and we know as whiskey drinkers um, where we need to make price adjustments, either make some things artificially lower mm-hmm. than they should be if you go by a percentage formula, mm-hmm. um, or making sure that there are things on the menu, uh, and this has always been our philosophy, that if you come in and you ask for the best $8 dram, we'll find you something really good for you. I mean, yeah. you tell me what you want to spend. If you have, a, obviously, uh, a particular distillery in mind and something like that, but our job here, and that's why we pay whiskey advisors seven nights, well, six nights of the week, uh, to be here, is so you can, they can help shape your experience to what you want flavor-wise or profile-wise as well as price-wise. Yep. So if you yep. came in and wanted to spend $32 on four drams, uh, we can make that happen for you. Nice. You know, nice. and that, that's really the key. And I look at it all the time because, you know, it's been rough on me financially during COVID. And, you know, I, I like to drink these drams. So I approach it from, you know, and I approach every tasting that we put out there. Would I buy the ticket? Yep. A hundred percent. The answer is no. Yep. Then I change it. I changed the Pandaren one four times. <laughs> the, the text messages that went out to my, to my, to my staff when I was trying to figure it out, they were like, it was like, do this. And there was like, not even 10 seconds. No, 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 change, do this. No, 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 no. Call me. Oh, screw calling me. Just do this. And then before I settled on this $65, you know, and then we were like, oh, one more thing, add a cocktail with Pandaren. You know, I mean, let's, uh, you know, so. But, but I, I think that, that's certainly been a conversation you and I have had over the years. And, and this is what Joshua and I bring to this as well is we are whiskey people, right? right. We, you know, whiskey consumers first and foremost, and we know the pricing and yep. we know the prices and we know where we want to go with pricing. Right. And as things are getting more expensive, we're trying not to apologize. You never want to try to sell somebody something while right. you're apologizing. Yeah. But you want to be cognizant of the number, yep. right? And, and we, we look at those numbers all the time and we do the same as you. We go back and forth, up the ladder, down the ladder. Yeah. You know, can we get away with selling it for that? It's a difficult proposition. So, and you've got almost 3,000 bottles to do that for yeah. and you've got tastings and yeah. you've got a menu. Like, does that, does that drive you crazy? <laughs> They're trying to get it right? Uh, you know what? I would have to say that 
you know, I just, if I could spend, it doesn't drive me crazy because I would love to be around whiskey 24 hours a day. <laughs> and more importantly, I think what COVID has taught me that I really do want to be around whiskey people 24 hours a day. <laughs> and that's it. And my, our love of whiskey is so strong. And I, I don't mean to be so narrow, but if I'm hanging around and we're talking politics, doing anything, uh -huh, anything uh -huh. that revolves around sitting in any way, <laughs> a whiskey's in hand and I'd rather be with whiskey people because I just want that, that interaction, that little bit of enjoyment that I get so much more from a, a glass when I'm sitting with someone. I don't know. I just, whiskey is, it's not even a chore. It's just how quickly can I get things out that people need? I oh, feel okay. like a need. I don't yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. it's a want. Yeah. It's a need. It's crazy. <laughs> so, so talking about a need, I need a bottle of this Westland. Yes. Um, how did this come about? Uh, they had a select amount of casks uh, that were in alternative, ca like wine casks or mezcal, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and they had one mezcal cask. And um, uh, I can't remember. I, this is crazy. I, I'm trying to think of who was just like, we got one sample of mezcal, you, and I was just like, well, that sounds interesting. They're like, we have one sample. I was like, okay, bring by all the samples, and we'll try the mezcal. And I tried it, and I was like, lock it up now, call. Because they knew whoever tried it first was going to take it. Wow. There's no doubt yeah. in my mind. Yeah. This wasn't, I, I would love to tell you that I agonized and chose the best mezcal cask that Weston <laughs> offered me. But this was, they, they offered, they had one cask, and I was just, it was just, it's stunning. I just really love how it works. Is it the Washington Pale Malt? Yeah. Then went into uh, uh, mezcal. mezcal. Yeah. And so I just think that fruit or uh -huh. like kind of notes uh -huh. with the mezcal works so well. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Jess and I just had this conversation the other day. Um, Jess Lomas, uh, who is a Glasgow-based Westland nut, okay. right? Fully fledged Westland nut. Uh, her and Chris uh, Hallstrom, uh, Swedescott. And we were talking about the pale malt. And when we want to present Westland to people, we want to present the five malt. We want to show that chocolate malt. We want right. to show the heaviness and the robustness right. of it. This mezcal cask Washington pale malt is one of the best Washington pale malt Westlands I've had. Yeah, and I, I, I believe- It shines, it absolutely shines in this cask. Yeah. Brings in a pleasant smoke, a wonderful pepperiness on the palate. I, I just think it was a, you know, when we think about complete whiskeys, uh -huh. like from nose to palate, mm -hmm. you know, balance, finish, everything about this whiskey, I think, worked. It was, uh, and, and to be honest with you, at a, at, a, at a place like Jack, where there's 3,000 bottles to choose from, doing single cask, and I think this is where um, distilleries working with us, it works out well, because we're going to push this Westland, and this will push the whole line of Westland. Yep. It puts Westland back in... You know, when people are looking through the book and it, it'll make people have one of these and then probably go to a different Westland and, and continue their journey or go out and buy Westlands. Out of. So I think um, where, you know, where Jack Rose is helpful is I think Westland and Pandaren are two examples exactly. of where we can be helpful and we appreciate the access. Yep. Um, if someone showed up, you know, I mean, it's not a Westland could have sold this cast to anyone, uh, <laughs> a thousand accounts in the, in the, in, in, in the country. Um, but they put it in, in our hands, and I think that will work out well for Westland um, from the amount of people that will come in here and try and then move on to other expressions. Well, it, so. and actually, that's partly my next question, which is, uh, did you have people previously coming in asking for Westland? 
We did, but it goes up and down. Mm. So, so for instance, like if, if something new comes out from Westland or it, it, you know, people are reading a magazine and they catch an article or Westland gets press, um, then you, you can tell when something yeah. hit the news yeah. in some way, right? Maybe somebody won gold in San Francisco. Maybe somebody was featured in the Whiskey Advocate. Maybe somebody wrote, uh, you know, in Whiskey Magazine, they wrote yeah. uh, uh, an expose on American single malts, right? Westland's gonna be top of the list. And that will drive traffic. But when you have, it's not like the old days where there was, you know, in 2000 when there was 10 American distillery, you know, 10 Kentucky distilleries plus <laughs> Old Petruro, uh, uh and a few others, right? I mean, you have 600 choices. Oh, gosh. You know, a thousand, I don't oh, even know, right? 3,000? Yeah. 3,000 American distilleries, you know, doing different products, not yeah. all, you know, American single malt. Yeah. But yeah, 2,500, 3,000 American distilleries. How do you sift through? Right. You know? I mean, Scotland, Scotland could stop producing tomorrow, <laughs> and with all the expressions that they've put out over the last 200 years, <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't work your way through the, right. the stuff that's out there. Um, let alone, you know, even though it's probably, it's less distilleries, than the U.S. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, 140 or so. But the 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 different expressions and an amazing single casks uh, and that history of cask exploration with you know wine casks and everything else, Scotland just has an own you know has so many expressions on lock that are so good in so many different ways. You know, I could you know I can never drink another great Laphroaig <laughs> that was produced in the last 10 years uh -huh. and just work my body back <laughs> on Laphroaig. So could you imagine doing that? It just sounds. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, such a wild focus it would be. Yeah. Um, so, so talking about American single malt, then, do you have what's your take on the consumer when it comes to American single malt? We we talked just before we hit record about you know categorization now coming. Right. You know, again, it'll be back in the news. You'll get that little pass through. Right. Do you do you hear your consumers, your your patrons? talking about American single malt as a category? Is it still a learning curve? Is it still like, is it still pushing water uphill? I think it's still pushing water uphill. Okay. Uh, I think, um, I mean, locally you have Virginia distilling, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which has uh, been, I think, pouring on a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of new expressions, but also getting out there, helping broadening yep. the, the understanding of uh, American single malt. Uh, Westland obviously uh, you know, has led the way for a long time, but yeah. the problem is there's not a density of top-notch American single malts to collectively push the ball forward yeah. fast enough yep. to have the consumer thinking about it daily or yeah. every time they step in the bar. It's, it still gets a little bit forgotten. Mm -hmm. um, and until I, I, I was, I, I'm going to name, I was talking to Bill Lumsden uh -huh. and uh, we discussed this very thing when I was in Scotland with them, and I was just like, you know, you could use a man like Bill <laughs> in the U.S. creating an American single malt distillery mm. with his kind of notoriety, with his name behind it, uh -huh. for people to go, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, a major Scottish distiller creating an American single malt with all of that knowledge coming over and just having that, that kind of additional weightiness of his name, yeah. something like that to yeah. add in. Or, you know, if there was, it was someone, you know, I can name, you know, 50 distillers sure, from Scotland sure. that could come in and just their connection, just knowing that there was that seal of approval, that um, quality stamp 
it would help the category tremendously. Which is then interesting that they went down, LVMH went down the Woodenville path. Right. 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 And so they picked up a bourbon and rye distillery. Yeah. Um, and putting you know, their weight behind that. It'll be, you know, I'm trying to think, obviously, I, I think this is a mistake I make. I think of Balcones as an American single malt distillery. And I know so many people who think of them as a bourbon distillery. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so, uh, so when we talk Westland and, and Copperworks and Westward and we're up in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. obviously Virginia here for us uh, locally, but then Balcones in Texas, I, I felt helped to broaden the category as well, but I might be in a minority of thinking that. I mean, the problem with the Balcones is they get lost as a Texas malt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're an American single malt, but they're Texas. Yeah. And Texas, I think, is the stronger pool on Balcones than American single malt. Yeah, 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 you for know? sure. And, uh, you know, they have a ton of different expressions, which, you know, is great, but it also doesn't help the category focus on just like, just a pure yeah. um, a single malt uh, category. And I always thought this was, you know, an issue with Corsair. Mm. Um, not having a strong bourbon or just something known as, you know, you had Rhymageddon, but yeah. having these staples, these bases that people say, oh, classic American distillery, but look at their creativity. It was more, here's all of my creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been difficult to navigate, say, uh, the market if you don't have something that people are regularly uh, reaching for on their back bar, yeah. like a great bourbon, a great rye, a great single malt. Um, when you start saying, oh, that's a Texas single malt, or that's a, uh, you know, it's it just, we, we still haven't come to, uh, you know, the average American consumer hasn't come to grips with all of the nuances of what American whiskey can be. Mm -hmm. And that's, oh, that's, for sure. that's an issue. Oh, gosh, we got, God, we got 10 years to go on that. That's yeah. going to be a, a big project. I am curious, as we're sitting here talking Westland, and, and we were just at Westland uh, a month ago, we've got a, a an interview with Matt Hoffman coming right. up uh, where we talk about Solem. For you, dealing with customers, one of the, the conversation pieces with Westland was they were taking away the three entry points. Right. Uh, the peated, the sherried. Yeah, the sherry wood, which we have over on the shelf. Right, right I saw now. that I saw that last yeah. night when I was in. And, and they went to the single flagship. Yeah. And that was the entry point, and then there were going to be three specials yeah. on top of that. Have and obviously you've still got the sherry on the shelf, so maybe we bought everything they had left, right? So we could have it. Yeah, right. you know, very smart. Yeah. Um, so, so you potentially haven't reached the point yet where flagship is the one you're putting out Correct. in front of people. Right. You're still putting the three in front of people, or the, well, the amount the of we're sherry. putting the Westland Agent Mezcal in front of everyone, <laughs> and then <laughs> they have to find the other ones on their own. <laughs> I can only give you so many breadcrumbs. That's it. So, we're, yeah, I mean, it's it, right now still single barrels are, are bread and butter now, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. We're doing one every eight to 10 days. Crazy. So, Absolutely crazy. Um, that's what we're averaging. And it, it's, 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 it's become so obsessive for us now that, you know, the single barrels are everything. I mean, they're really for, I mean, we have all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, when you have a new single barrel, every time someone visits, 
if they come once a week, we almost have a new bottle for them every yeah. week. Oh, if you're doing it every eight to ten days, yeah. that's wild. Yeah. And that's that's sold to foot traffic for you. Yeah. Like that's the wild part. Again, you know, a little part we're talking about before hitting record, you know, that that's not online sales for you, that's not shipping to other parts Mm-mm. of the country for you. That's that's walkthroughs. That's yeah. that's an incredible number of people buying an incredible number of bottles. Yeah. Eight to ten days. Yeah. It's 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 and obviously we want to keep as much of it as possible. Okay. So the consumers can try it for the next two years. Oh wow. I mean, it, you know wow. if we ever can get back beyond this and business gets back to normal. Yeah. Uh then we would stockpile, I'd say, 60% of every barrel, 70%, if I could. That you're, you're honestly making me feel sick, Bill. Yeah. Uh, because that's an inc- we get nervous when we sit on three and four six-packs uh, of product. Like we, we want it out the door. We want to get the shipping done and get it off to nation members. We never want to be sitting on 60%. Yeah, I, that's what would be my dream. <laughs> Ah, my dream. Yeah. Your dream my, is another my, man's nightmare. My, yeah, my, my dream is 50 years from now, somebody's drinking this Wes, sure. Wesley Mescal. Sure. And, you and, know? and I, I do think that we have, there are definitely, we, we had this conversation last night with the, the group we were drinking with where I poured the very, very remains of our original single cast nation Colhoman four-year-old. And, and we're simply not sitting on any bottles of that. Right. Like, and we haven't sat on any bottles of that since it sold out 22 months after we put it up for right. sale. Um, and few, finally, it, it sold. Right. We do miss that 10, 12 years since that release. Yes. Not having bottles of that to open up. Right. Um, and there's a very good chance you have more bottles of that than I have. I can, I can say that I touched it last night. <laughs> I did, actually. <laughs> and, and, and it made me think because... I was, when you, when you started Single Cast Nation, I set aside a, uh, single, uh, a single bottle or two bottles of every, of your first releases. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying, I mean, there was... Uh, yeah, the, so the Aaron 12 the Aaron that came 12. with the Pinot Noir. There was a, it was a uh, Glenn Moray, right, or something? There was uh, a, Glenn, uh, uh, Glenn, Glenn Moray was in our second release. Second release, yep. okay, so we had uh, that. The first was the Aaron, the Colhoman, and the, the Peated Ben Riak, 17 yes. years old. Yeah, yep, which we have. And then the second round of three was the Glenelgin 18, yep. the Dalmore 12, yes, and I the touched Lef- that Freug 6. Six. Touched that last night as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I came across when I was searching for everything. Um, we and I told you this when we did like to have a party. Uh huh. Yeah. And 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 I but I did it and Harvey did it too. Mm-hmm. So that means we're sitting on at least two bottles wow. of every. And I looked and there must have been. I know that there was at least twenty bottles of the of the of the stuff that because I found it, it was funny because it was mixed in with all my most rare Stitzel Weller. <laughs> A six, your original six pack, original six pack of your stuff was in. I, I opened it. I was like, I was looking for a particular um, old Lawrence, uh, a Lawrenceburg bottle, and uh, there it was. I opened a thing and I pulled it out and I was like, man, these capsules look so good. What what could this be? And it was uh, it was a single cast nation. So that's where I th- that's what I think of it. I keep well, it with cheers. my Stitzel. Gosh, that's so. that's uh, the rarefied air for us. Thank you. Sir. Yeah, but whenever you want to do the uh, the. Um, a party and a tasting. Brilliant. Team up. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we'll su- we'll supply the you, <laughs> you, you supply the commentary. We'll supply the booze. So. And I'll be drinking it very happily. Yeah, yeah. We were we were all big fans. I remember you don't remember, but I I, I met you guys in New York when you first launched at Whiskey Fest. Ah, you'll get 2012 and, and, Hurricane yeah, Sandy weekend. Yeah, and you came. Yeah, because um, it's funny because I touched. The uh, Italic Cash Rank that came out that year. Yes, yeah. yeah. Roberto, yeah. we were, were talking house. about that with Roberto last night. All yeah. those damaged bottles that sold for cheapest yeah. chips, double oh. digits. Oh my God, that was so good. In fact, I found an envelope that had the labels in it that Warehouse gave us the labels because the bottles, uh, they had steamed, uh, the, the humidity had, the glue had become, wow. you know, and, so, and so, fallen off. So the story being that when Hurricane Sandy hit, this store mm-hmm. um, had storage in their basement. Their basement got flooded. Yep. And these 20-year-old Taliskers uh, in 2012 were yep. getting sold for just clearance prices. Yeah. I think Joshua has a bottle yep. uh, with, of with, the, of with the labels in an envelope. <laughs> they were in great shape. The, uh, you know, it's just, like, it's just like they fell off. Wow. So I found that, because I obviously drink some of them with no label, right? Because why put the label back on if you're just going to crack it? And um, so I have extra labels if anybody needs uh, Talisker labels. So so I just uh, brought the Jefferson Ocean single cast cast strength to my lips. Yes. Um, Talk to us about this. What's going on with this? So so it's funny because, you know, I've I've had people go, oh, you know, you know, this whole like Asian at sea thing and whatever, uh-huh. but I'm just like, listen, mm-hmm. we're not, that, that's, that's what's creating the agitation. That's mm-hmm. all we're talking about here. We're just looking to make something a little different. And uh, before I tell you this one, I was saying, I was saying to someone that like, there are insane devotees to ocean. Okay. And, um, and okay. there's also people that think it's gimmicky, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's really, there's a couple of people who thought it was gimmicky. I tried them on it, and they were like, okay, we'll take a bottle. Okay. So we haven't launched it yet, but I've actually sold a few bottles because um, people really wanted it. Uh, oh, somebody, I was, I, was in, um, I was in Kentucky. This is before COVID. And, uh, or was it? No, was it, I'm trying to think. It's COVID times. But How a guy was sitting in a, it was, it was a liquor store that had a bar. Right, we could sample okay. stuff. Okay. And the guy was talking about ocean. I was walking by where he did it, and I was just like, "He's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been trying to find all these oceans." And I go, uh, "I heard him. I was like, hey, <laughs> my name is Bill Thomas from Jacko's Dining Saloon. I think I have batch. Back when they had it, it was in Boston with um, uh, number three, but it was kind of like this a different kind of label. Oh, okay. Uh, more fancy. Okay. Uh, spent some money on the labeling, okay. and I said, I think I have batch three in storage somewhere. And I was like, you can have it, right? You can have it if you want it. Just because he was so big into it. I heard him like passionately talking about it. I was like, I'm not going to miss one bottle of Jefferson Ocean from my collection. And I said, if I, you know, I was like, I will send it to you. Yeah. And he's like, I, we swapped numbers. And I said, but I will tell you this, all of my stuff is in unmarked boxes and it will probably take me a year or two to find it. And, uh, and he, what a he was great. And it did. I found it almost, uh, two years. Are you kidding me? And I, and I, but then I was like, what was this guy's name? Oh no. But I kept, I kept, I scrolled through all my, one day I just went through text. And I was like, I'll find it. I'll find, and I found him and I shipped it to him. So batch three of, uh, <laughs> That's an of insane story. Yeah. You, yeah. You, so. I, I said this when we had you on the, the podcast the first time, you're easily one of the, the busiest people I know. And, <laughs> and anytime 
I get to speak to you, like you're heading off somewhere else. You're, right. you're the fact that you would spend the time to scroll through your phone all the day to find somebody's name from two years prior yeah. absolutely blows my mind. Yeah. And, uh, and the oh, guy got his bottle. Yeah. The guy got his bottle. Uh, this one, caramel. <laughs> Uh, there's a, there's like a peanut shell thing going on here. I think. Ah, I do um, like a good peanut yeah. shell. I, I like a good so, monkey nut. You know, and I just think, uh, I think this was just an excellent example of bourbon. I, in fact, uh, a, a little bit of a saltiness thing going on as well. And I just find this to be so compelling. I just keep drinking it. It's a drinker. <laughs> this is just a drinker, and it's not showing uh, whatever the proof is. This baby, one twenty one four. No oh, way okay. this is 121.4. Okay, 16 and a half. Bounce. Yeah. Wow. So I just, uh, the other day we were sitting at the bar and I was like, holy shit, I'm on my like fifth Jefferson. <laughs> so, um, and Trey, uh, obviously, uh, I've known Trey for a lot of years too. So the fact that Jefferson Ocean is still evolving, and I still think, you know, I obviously I think barrel picks, you know, uh, I bought an Eagle Rare. This morning, before I saw you, oh, okay, I got to a liquor store this morning and uh, bought an Eagle Rare single barrel pick before they opened. They actually let me in 15 minutes early, and <laughs> I was getting something else from them because I had gotten a store alert that they were dropping Old Forester Cash Drink today. Um, but by coincidence, I was also uh, buying whiskey from a guy in the parking lot across the street. <laughs> I had a 9:30 appointment, so that's why I thought this was so. Uh, now that's the most Bill Thomas sentence I've heard. Yes. I, I was buying liquor from a guy in a parking lot across the street. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was, uh, I thought I was crazy. On my way uh, there, I get a, a, a store alert. And I was just like, this is, this is crazy. I'm going to pick up, an, I picked up, I picked up uh, some old, an old society bottling, three bottles of that. I picked oh, okay. up uh, some old Elmer T. Lee, some old High West, some old, uh, some old Four Roses, that kind of stuff. Um, and some old art bags. And then here it is, I get this alert when I'm five minutes away from my meeting across the street from the liquor store that they're dropping old Forster cash drink today. And I'm like, well, I just got it now. But now I mean, but, but I have to come meet you. So I need to fit all this in. So can you let me in early? Let me buy. They're like, we're not, we don't even have it on display because it's going to all be online sales. Oh, wow. And they, so they had to go to storage, grab the two bottles. But oh. then I saw the Eagle Rare sitting there, single barrel. And I was like, Christ, how much? I don't have a credit card on me. I got 300 and some bucks in my pocket. Uh, I had more than that to start, but once I left the parking lot, I had less. So I had 300 left. You know uh, these mics are on, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know these are on. This is all for personal. <laughs> this is all my personal stuff. Um, I love it, Bill. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so in listening to you, I, I think this is true for any collector, and, and I know you're not... A, you're not a collector in the truest sense, right? You right. are a drinker, yeah. right? And you, you've said, like, I'm buying in bulk now because I want to be drinking this for 50 years, yeah. right? So, so you're collecting in a slightly different way. But I think for any collector, there's this moment when you ask yourself the, the question, am I a collector or am I an, am I an addict, right? Uh. Do, you, do you have moments when you're, like, when you're chasing, like, that type of story you're just telling? I've heard, I've heard you tell yeah. in other instances yeah. for other bottles. Do you ever have that kind of moment of reckoning of, and, and you said it in this interview earlier, like, the need, right? Yeah. There's the need to open that bottle and share that yeah, bottle. absolutely. Do, do you feel driven by that? I, you know, I definitely am an, an addict in the sense that I want to have access. In fact, if you... If for some reason, say someone came in and offered me an insane amount of money, 
for Jack Rose, mm -hmm. right, or something, uh -huh. uh, which I can tell you on the, if you do it on the uh, COVID numbers, nobody's offered me much, <laughs> uh, you know, pennies, pennies. Um, if we talk about actual profit, if you, if you want to own it because you want your own playground, that's one thing, but if you want it for money, that's, that's different. Um, but uh, to not have the ability to drink whatever mood you're in. Yeah. And we've talked about this before, drinking your mood. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. bourbon, sometimes, yeah. sometimes Westland Mezcal, sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, you know, a, a cash drink, the Lafroig or a Jefferson's Ocean. Yeah. Like not to have that ability would drive me insane. I just don't know what I would do uh, without that. And it, it really is um, an addiction in that sense. Uh, I, I don't have, like, and I've said this before, as much as I've tried to be an alcoholic, I don't have that gene. Um, as much as you've tried. I've tried. I'm trying to, like, I feel like I've let the team down, but. Uh, is, I, it, is it in your family? Is that the, there, is that there the line here? There has been some in my family, yeah. yeah, of course. And, I mean, obviously, you know, since my family's been in the bar business since, you know, the late 1800s, mm -hmm. you know, if there wasn't at least one, we'd be in trouble, right? Then what, what did we do wrong? Uh, um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah. So it, it, there's been some some issues like that. But you know, it didn't. I just I love drinking, but I love drinking when I'm talking to you. Yes. Yes. Right at home. Yeah. I'm not reaching like the other night. I, I, I my Mar, my fiance, who's also a whiskey drinker. I was like, hey, do you want to do some dramming? You know, just to talk because I really want to have that discussion and that 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 camaraderie when drinking, as opposed to just silently going, "Wow, wasn't that a great dram?" Yeah, like yeah, in my yeah. Mind. yeah. Sometimes you're having a, a yeah. good day or a bad day, and you want to dram, no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Um, or you're just in the mood. But if I'm going to sit down and have five or six, like the other night, we sat down in Springbank, Glendrona, yeah, uh, uh, the Freud, um, we 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 had six different distilleries, and there was this, you know, the back and forth. Uh, with her that I, you know, makes makes whiskey all the more enjoyable when you're sharing it right. with so, someone. So you, so you definitely have the passion, right? Yeah. Like, there, there's no doubt about that. I was just curious when you're, you know, on a Monday morning buying, you know, a collection yeah. out of a parking lot. Yes. Like, <laughs> it yeah. has overtones of other activities uh, that people get up to. Yes, that's true, 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 true. <laughs> and um, it's funny because I didn't even have enough money. I, I gave my I or you, right? <laughs> like... Uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> I just said, I, you know, I say, he goes, uh, the gentleman needed some money. And I, I was just like, listen, I, 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 don't, I didn't have time to like research and say how much I could pay. Oh, I was okay. like, what do you need to get through your moment of crisis? And then I'll, we'll, we'll, oh, we'll figure out the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, just bring everything you have and meet me. Oh my gosh. And that's what we did. So um, I also had a guy... Uh, uh, call me who I who I bought a bunch of whiskey from not too long ago. Well, not too long ago, pre-COVID, and uh, there was a thousand dollar IOU. I'll, I'll uh, you can you can spend here at the bar. Oh wow! You know, and uh, he just got, after two and a half years, he's been hunkered down. Okay. He's like, is that so good? I know it's like I was like, if I if I told you you have it, you have it, and I just wrote it on my. It was just written on a business card. You know, $1,000 spend when you need it, you know, kind of thing, uh, which comes out of my pocket. But because um, I can't remember, you know, I mean, I buy everything personally. So, yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So and I'm always doing stuff like this. It's the only way to keep up with whiskey. So we haven't really talked about this in the, in the podcast. Josh and I haven't really brought this up too much. But I have found, and this, this is a, a bigger question that I did want to ask you today, yeah. which is, I have been finding myself returning to 2009 
and and either pulling things out of my own collection right. from then or, or looking at those things around auctions or buying those back through friends. Why 2009? It, it just, for, I was, I was blogging at that point. Okay. So I was tasting everything that was coming out. Right. It, it was either being sent to me or I would, I would find it from somewhere. But as 2009 has become 2023, if I look back on when some of my favorite bottles were coming out. Right. They were absolutely, if, if not exactly 2009, six months before in 2008, right, right. six months later in 2010. Like, right. like I, just off the top of my head, I can think of Aaron Peacock. I can think of the Aaron uh, anniversary that came in the orange box yep, yep. with the silver wings on it, which was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I had it in my hand last night. Right, absolutely beautiful. But that was uh, a couple of of Harvey, though. <laughs> it was, he had one that he had kept. It's just an absolute cracker. Hyarta, yeah. uh, Ardbeg roller coaster, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, like that, that yeah. was all happening. And then you've got inaugural Kilhoman yeah. coming out that fall, right? That, yeah. that September of 2009. Like it, it's just a period that's really happening. And, and that's what I'm finding myself returning to. Right. At the same time, my journey started the end of, you know, the 90s. You, you very kindly said you just listened to the Keepers yeah. uh, episode yesterday on your drive. Yeah. Um, and so I talked about my journey in there, which was, you know, fall of 1996 I started. Right. So it's not like my journey started in 2009. Right. But, but it was clearly a moment and I was experiencing things and, and some things were just absolutely phenomenal. Right. So I don't want to be the, you know, 48-year-old drinker in 2023 saying right. everything was better back in my day. Right. But that was just a great, great period. Right. Do you either have periods that you yourself return to or, and or right. as you sit here in 2023, what are you seeing from whiskey? We had this conversation last night about consistency. Things right. are consistent, but you're not necessarily hitting the highest highs, but you are avoiding the lowest lows. Yeah, absolutely. So is consistency a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Yeah, well, I, I will say this. Like, when you think back to uh, periods where things were, like, say you're blogging, so you had accessibility yeah, yeah. to a lot of whiskeys and a lot of amazing whiskeys, and I think for anybody who's in the bourbon world, pre-2011... Mm. By 2012, I think it was game over, hmm. and the things had taken off. So essentially, what you had was the ability to crack. If you if you were into bourbon prior to 2012, for sure, you had the ability to. There was no bottle that you almost wouldn't crack. Mm -hmm. The idea of a mm -hmm. bottle you wouldn't crack really wasn't in the the bourbon thought process. Sure, you were. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. I was like. <laughs> Right, I mean, <laughs> what I mean, a high end would have been a couple thousand dollar bottle. Okay, kind of really. I mean, there wasn't okay. a lot out there that was um, that you weren't willing to crack on a regular. So, so, so from that perspective, there's a lot of uh, romance around that era simply because you tried everything you've ever wanted mm, to try. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're nostalgic. I'd say on the uh, for a bourbon drinker before 2012 is a is a different world. I mean, it might as well be. Dinosaur <laughs> gotcha, time. Gotcha. Um, uh, for me, I don't have that on the Scotch side simply because when I got into Scotch, uh, you know, first trying things with like Doug Phillips in Kentucky, which of all places to yeah. to, to start yeah, your Scotch journey, yeah. and then meeting Harvey, 
and having access to any bottle you've ever wanted anyways, there was never for me a period where um, I didn't have access to the greatest 40-year-old or the, <laughs> you know, the newest release. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, so where's bourbon? I can think of uh, years, uh, specifically even 2002 um, and three that I think were pivotal years for oh, me okay. in the bourbon world, but not in the, in the scotch world. That's always just been... Um, accessible, which makes no sense. Um, and also, Scotch took that downturn. If you look at the old bottoms auctions uh, back before they got out of the game, and now they're back into the game in the U.S. And I was buying Black Bowmore for three thousand a bottle. Wow! You know, at auctions in in the wow. mid two thousands. Wow! You know, and I remember, and I was cheer- I think I got one for like twenty nine hundred. I I, st- I didn't buy the one that was thirty five hundred. Uh-huh. You know, it's just kind of crazy, right? Uh, that those things were just. I remember at a bottoms auction, the only other guy that was buying everything up was uh, one of the I think waiters from Brandy Library. Oh, okay. And I felt like yeah. such a jerk. It was. Yeah. It felt like such a jerk because I was like, these are gifts. <laughs> These are gifts, and I was just like buying everything. Um, <laughs> these are gifts. These are gifts <laughs> at the prices that Scotch was going for that's, in that period is stupid. Like it never should have gotten that low. That's that's absolutely so, wild, absolutely wild. So, what about the second part of that question? Then, what do you think about whiskey as you sit here and and you have traveled back through decades, uh, courtesy of Harvey and and, yeah. and, and through your own buying? Um, what, what do you think about whiskey? I mean. I don't, I always say this, there's never been a better time to be a drinker than now. Mm. Uh, there's more great whiskey coming out all the time. I mean, you may find a slight distillery profile change. For um, sure. You know, and yep, in, in, in some of the ones, and some of your favorites right now might not be some of your favorites, but then they'll mm-hmm. come out with that one bottle that you're like, oh, this is, this, <laughs> this re-energizes me into that distillery or it gives me faith in that distillery. You know, I, I can't think of anyone that I'm... And there's distilleries that I uh, thought weren't so good mm-hmm. that are now doing some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stuff that was blend, in, blend intended mm-hmm. that single barrels have escaped and, and mm-hmm. we're, we're getting a lot more access to some of those. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as uh, scotch is concerned, I think that's nothing but up for scotch. I, I, I do not understand... Um, some of the values uh-huh. in, in the scotch world are amazing. Uh, everyone, I mean, scotch doesn't cease to, uh, uh, to kind of amaze me with some of the pricing that they come out with, but it also, some of the distilleries also amaze me at the craziness yes. that they price stuff at. Yeah. It, there's, it, but here's the thing, it was scotch. If you're an up-and-comer, there's so much value. Mm-hmm. If you're established, and if you're the top tier established, there's so little value, mm-hmm. if any value. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Uh, so you'll find yourself grabbing. Some of the things that people like hang their hat on, you and I probably don't drink mm-hmm. because it just doesn't make any sense um, price-wise to do so. And, and the, to me, that, that's a problem because some people are giving all of those labels the highest marks or the highest demand <laughs> when you and I are just like, what are you doing? It's you a know? mistake. I would drink that for a fourth of the price, <laughs> but I'm not reaching for it right now. And, and, and we've gotten pushback from some of the distilleries. They're like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And I'm like, well, I'll tell you, I won't say in public, like I'm not trying to badmouth you. Yeah. But I, and I said this uh, on the phone this morning in my hour commute. Um, 
it's what I don't say that you should be picking up on. Ah, you know, it's what you don't see, you know, cause I'm not going to try and really bury someone, but if I'm not pushing someone or if you ask me a question and I move on, yeah, yeah, there's a reason, Yeah, you know, and I don't know. I, cause we want to put value. I mean, at the end of the day, if I could, if I could make a living charging $9 an ounce, I would. <laughs> right. Heard. So. Absolutely heard. Do you agree with that statement that the highest highs have gone along with the lowest lows? Or do you still have moments when a whiskey turns your head? Yes, I definitely have. Um, but once again, I have to look at if, if we're talking simply something that is a recent release mm-hmm. from a yes, distillery absolutely. as opposed to something absolutely. that I, recent, I got a bottle. Recent release, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I am. And I'm going to, I have to, I have to say this, but our Lafroig virgin French oak. Oh, wow. I think is a stunner. Whoa. And I think, uh, and, I, and I've said this, I, 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 I explain this. When we went to Lafroig to pick the single barrel, we were given the options between, I think, port cask or Oloroso cask, uh, three different levels of uh, toasting on the virgin French oak. Mm-hmm ex-bourbon casts, right? You have all of these to choose from, uh, PX casts. Yep. Uh, you have all of this to choose from, and Chris and I, the way we approached it was we each went to one end of the rick and said, you start there, I'll start here, make your notes, we'll compare. And when we went through all of these different examples of uh, casts, and we revealed which one we both liked, it was the same exact barrel. Fantastic. Right? And so yeah. you know that that's a, that's an example of like, it doesn't matter what the age of this whiskey is. It doesn't matter the finish. It's just an amazing whiskey. And I, I think that, uh, that was probably something that I'm just blown away by. And then of course you have that honeymoon period where you're like, wow, we picked this amazing cask and now it's going to get bottled, uh, three or four months later, it's going to be shipped to you. You're going to actually get it in bottle. And is it the same or was I, was my palate and that one just was like, this is killer. Wow. Absolutely killer. Wow. And uh, it got really great reviews from the people that we, uh, we, we sold it to and, and, and the tasting. And I'm going, in, in the, today's the sixth, I leave in two weeks again. I'm heading back to look and uh, pick another cask and we'll approach it from the same perspective. And, and my thing is, what will it be this time? Will it be a PX? Will it be an Oloroso? Will it be an ex-bourbon? Uh, which would be the least sexy yeah. of the group. But, but if it's great, it's yeah, great. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to pigeonhole uh, our, 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 our selection based on any preconceived notion. So that was the last whiskey that I was just like, wait a minute. This thing is seven years old. Great. Seven years old, and I would want to bunker personally 10 bottles. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, that's the age we want to be drinking Lafroy at, like right? five, six, and seven. Yeah, well, or uh, yeah, six, six. Uh, yeah, Good. and we'll do it in the tasting. We can do side. We can do. We can do a, a strictly single cast nation tasting, or we can do a, a best of um, side by sides. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do. I, I do find now the lows. There's a lot more lows on the bourbon world that you avoid. Okay. I think. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I, I can't think of the last time like I was just like. But maybe it's what people bring us because mm-hmm. we're Jack Rose. We sure. don't, people don't show up with 43%, you know, 43 ABV uh, uh, OBs. And, you know, yeah. I, a lot of times they don't even bring them in the door. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's you know? smart. That's, I mean, what's the what's the point? We're looking for that 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 great single cask or uh, your special release that's um, exceptional. But that's what people come here for. You know, we do care the obese. You know, but it took us. That's the longest category that took us to restock. <laughs> was original obese. Okay. And the other day, I just but, stocked uh, Bowmore. I realized I was like, wait a minute, if we don't have Bowmore eighteen. We don't have Bowmore fifteen. We don't have. I was like, that was a major oversight because, oh, wow. first of all, they're affordable, but um, we just didn't have them on the shelf, and uh, it, it was a hole in our inventory. And we, we still have holes like that that we keep finding that we're like, sure. um, because we're so obsessive on single cask. Uh, but sometimes those OBs are obviously great entryways into the category and into a distillery, but they're also fairly priced. Yes. You know? Yeah. Which, that, that's it, where which you find like, your $8 pour, your $9 yeah, pour. Yeah. Maybe not on a Bowmore 18, but... No, no, no. no. <laughs> not to lead people down that path. Yeah. Um, yeah Jack Rose has Bowmore 18 at eight bucks. Come in today. So. Uh, do, do you want to get out of here talking about Premier Drums? Yes. Uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah. You know, we've changed the date. The date is uh, going to be... Um, if it uh, July 2nd is a Sunday. Oh, word. Wow. July. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I had March open for you, I had April open for you, and now we're on to July. That's the, the problem is we just got behind. Yep. Um, yep. And we've had some, you know, we've had some, uh, just with everyone's travel schedule, with our single barrel schedule, with, uh, <laughs> with everything that's going on, I couldn't put it together. I just, I, I can't put it together in time. Yeah. So, and then I put in, and it's tough. Th this is going to sound crazier. But I, I kept getting requests from some some really big whiskey people that said, please don't do it on this week. Don't do mm -hmm, it on this month. Do it. Mm -hmm. And I kept pushing and pushing. And I adjusted the schedule multiple times just based on a single person's attendance. <laughs> Madness lies that way, I can tell I you. Know, and from I know. From personal experience. You know, you can't. So uh, I finally, July 2nd, it will allow us to extend it multiple days oh, because a lot of people gosh. will have July 4th off. Correct. So we'll probably do something the night before, the second, the third. Oh, wow. And the fourth year off. And, and uh, D.C. is also a good town for fireworks. There you go. So. Um, wow. July 2nd. Now, is this going to be like the text that goes out to the staff? Is this. Yes. It's July so, 2nd on this podcast, but it might not end no, up. No, it is. It's, it is. And the, because it counteracted. It's a real thing. The, the, the um, text that went out the week before saying it was going to be Father's Day. And then the staff was like, you cannot all... Uh, no. Now they got a, they've already gotten a text saying it's no longer Father's Day. Let's do it. Um, so, so for the record, do you want to describe Premier Drams to the, to the listeners? Because it uh, is a hell of an event. Yeah, sure. I mean, I started the event uh, years ago simply because none of the... Uh, or not... None of the more mainstream um, whiskey festivals were geared towards cash strength and single barrel. And I just, I was getting kind of um, disenchanted by, uh, you know, going to a whiskey festival and, you know, it would always be Harvey, Roberto and I going to these festivals. And of course, if there was anything hidden in the boot or under the table, <laughs> we would get access to. But that was just like, you know, half dozen drams maybe, right? And that's all we were looking for, except for if you, released a new product. Yep. And um, first of all, I didn't think that was fair. And it kind of sucked because I would be trying something or you'd have to share with two or three of the other people that you knew because you got access and they yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to create a, a festival that had 
uh, or uh, or an evening that had all of that stuff that that everyone would get to drink. Um, so uh, you know, we created something that was cash strength oriented, single barrel oriented, and uh, and new. So if you are releasing a new product, we're happy because people haven't tried it and it gives mm-hmm. them an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But we want to focus on those three categories, and it's been super successful. It sells out every year. Uh, you know, uh, it's great to pour out. It's a great consumer who comes through. Yeah, yeah. it's it's people who know it's their the whiskey whiskeys. people. Yeah, you know, and it, it, we have more whiskeys than you can possibly try here. Yep. If you go to your table, I could I could honestly, between you guys and Society and Willet, and and Wilderness Trail, uh, Old Forester, they, they they come crazy, and so did Balvenie came crazy. Uh, be great to get Gemma over <laughs> right, here. You know, right. see Gemma back in the United States. Right. She can bring the kid. We'll create daycare. Um, Jack was daycare. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just we wanted to have um, a lot of great individual pours. That, and this is what I love about it. And I still describe it from the first year, where there's so much whiskey, you can't visit every station. Yeah. So you'll see people commiserating or talking about like, <laughs> no, you have to try this one Here's at the this one. station. Here's, Here's the, the one you got to try, yep. and um, because you have limited space. You know, and and uh, so maybe we'll stretch it out a little bit okay. um, because people will have. They'll probably. We already figured. Like in second, you're going to take the. You're not going to go to work on the third. Yeah, nobody's no. going to work on the third. Um, <laughs> That's going to be a good Monday. You know, so I, I think it's going to be uh, good. We are going to bring in a component of uh, of Harvey. Oh, because brilliant. we didn't have the opportunity to really celebrate Harvey. Yep. Um, and if everybody remembers correctly, the very first premiere drams yep. was on his birthday. And I did that yep. for Harvey. We did that big cake that was yep. shaped like a barrel. It was beautiful. Um, and we priced it according to his age, which I'm not even going to say it because nothing will ever be that cheap again. Um, I'm trying to think if we made money the first year. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, we'll have a component for Harvey. I'm planning some special stuff. I just got to run it by Roberto, make sure that's how we want to uh, do things. There'll be a lot of uh, uh, pictures up. Oh, perfect. Uh, that kind oh, of thing. That's really cool. Well, I already know exactly which bottle I am bringing of ours uh, to honor Harvey. Oh, good deal. Uh, it'll be under the table. Okay. And so anybody listening to this podcast who go. comes along to Premier Drams, ask me for the Harvey See, that's Dram. that's fair. That's fair, right? Right? You and know? I will have a Harvey Dram under the table. Um, let's... Let's wrap it up here. If, if careful listeners are hearing what sounds like intermittent white noise, you have a hood cleaning, a hood cleaning happening. Yes, yes. And I've been watching them through the, the, the doorway there and uh, the hose, they're hosing it down right now. They've yeah. surrounded it with plastic bags and, and they're hosing it down. Safety and, first here. And it's, it's getting louder. So, yeah. uh, Bill, this has been a brilliant whiskey I, chat. I, honestly, Easy I, peasy. I don't feel like we... <laughs> Got to any specific questions. I feel like we just talked. Uh, well, we don't have to get to specific questions, right? It is just the type of things we talk about. We didn't even talk about like, current events of what's going on in the whiskey world because nope. so much shit is going on. <laughs> uh, you know, um, Look at you teasing the third visit from yeah, well, I, uh, Bill I, I, Thomas. I'm just trying, I don't get paid for these. <laughs> so it's not like I'm uh, uh, like I can... Uh, that makes two of us, brother. <laughs> yeah. How, how, how are things going there? Everything going great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, so actually, when we, yeah. when we hit stop here, I'm actually going to pull out two drams for you uh, to taste that we, just, um, that we just released the very end of February. Okay. Uh, a 14-year-old North British uh, finished oh, in heavy PX. Um, grain or yep. single malt? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, grain from them. Okay. 
Um, we put some old single malts on the shelf. Wow. I, and it was, at least I put one recently, and it was delicious. You, you and I have got more work to be doing here, yes. Bill. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I'm going to pour for you is a 1989 French brandy uh, oh, that, cool. that we finished in, uh, in Active PX as well. So let's get out of here and let's get okay. to some real work. All right, great. Cheers, mate. All right, take care. <laughs> Sincere thanks to Bill for his time. Like I said, leading into that interview, I spent a lot of time with them uh, on that Monday and we drank a fair few beverages and we had a, a jolly, jolly good time together. I have to say that, and I don't think I, I said it in the interview, when I left Jack Rose that day, mm-hmm. I left with four bottles of that Westland single cask, mezcal oh, cask. Man. That, yeah, that, was it mezcal or tequila? It, it is mezcal. mezcal, my friend. Oh, man, it is on that... the label that you have somewhere in your house. Because oh, I know exactly where it is. It's delicious. I delivered your bottle to you when we saw each other in Philadelphia at the end of March. Mm-hmm. And I remember putting a heart on your bottle of it it is amazing and to be in that interview and talking to bill where he's saying you know oh i wish we only sold through 60 percent you know of our of our single cast that we do i wish i had more of everything to the side i'm busy out here picking up four of these Westlands and I'm here today on the podcast saying if you're in DC or you're around DC or you've got a way to get someone to get you a bottle absolutely do so I will also say for the benefit of our very own Jess and Swede Scott who are two of the biggest Westland nuts in the world mm-hmm. I made sure that I grabbed a bottle for each of you as well. Uh, and I have mensch. told you nothing about <laughs> it. So that you could hear about it on this episode uh-huh. with me and Bill tasting it on the episode. You, of That's course, Joshua, really nice. I had the privilege of seeing you in person. So there was no way we were not enjoying that together in person. Yeah, I just I just like that that you chose my bottle to put the herd on and not your 100%. own bottle to put the herd on. 100%. <laughs> I told you that in the hotel room oh, in yes. Philadelphia. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but seriously, such a remarkable Westland. So unique. It really is one that stands out and you know, we've we've had some of these Westlands that were well, let me say it this way. I've I've had plenty of whiskeys that were ex tequila, ex mezcal, and and you mm-hmm. sometimes it does uh, things, and sometimes it's not a lot. With this, it presents the mezcal in such a gorgeous way, without hiding the Westland character. It just frames the Westland exactly. character in such a nice way. Yep, and I. You know, the, the thing that I keep saying about it is it's one of the best expressions of Washington pale malt yeah. that I've had from the Westland distillery. Yeah. It's yep. very natural to go down the path of the five malt, 
which is phenomenal and they're mm-hmm. rightly very well known for. The pale malt to me doesn't always speak to Westland in my mind mm. because I'm thinking five malt or I'm even thinking the peated, even when they were doing Scottish peated barley. Yeah. And I'm going down that path with them. This, I thought the Washington pale malt with that mezcal, seven years maturation, uh, total maturation, cast 25.43, just sang, absolutely sang. And I'm, I'm, I'm so happy I was there at the right time to taste it with Bill, to get it on wax, yeah. to pick up four bottles. Did he just to share it, it with that you day? and Jess and Sweet Scott? Or, Not quite that yeah. day, but it was it it was it was in somewhat recently. As he says in the interview, he's got new single casts coming in every seven to ten days. Amazing. So people know the Jack Rose bottle shop side of things now yeah and they know to be looking out for each new expression that comes in he he did have plenty on the top bar there was a lot of of this westland on display it's actually where the four bottles that i purchased came from and uh actually the masthead for today's episode is bill reaching for the bottles of this Ah, bottling okay Um, there you go yeah, nice. I thought it was just framed so perfectly. Yeah, I said, okay. hold, that, hold that pause, hold that, hold that pause. And, uh, and I snapped him halfway up a ladder, grabbing a whistle. You said, you said, don't just stand there. Let's get to it. Strike a pose. There's nothing to it. Vogue. I did. Vogue. 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 I did. And I said that as someone who doesn't even like Madonna. <laughs> I'm glad you knew it was Madonna. That's how much, <laughs> that's how much I was in the moment. Yeah. Of course, it could have been Bill's spiky bra that did it for me. <laughs> just the two cones <laughs> the fact that Dennis Rodman was standing just out of shot so Jason We've got a bit of news that I wanted to to bring up, and I, I wasn't I actually wasn't even planning on bringing up any news, but I feel as if our hand has been forced, as it mm-hmm. so often is, anytime we put new labels into the TTB. Mm-hmm. So you ready to you ready to talk about some pending SCN bottlings? I think it makes good sense. Let me bring in the paper boy. Extra, extra, read all about it. Life story of Playboy Penny. Extra, 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 read all about it. Me and that Playboy. Usually, when we find out that someone has been trolling the TTB website for new single cast nation labels, it's from a particular mm-hmm. Instagram account. Which, eh, if you know, you know it. Um, but this, <laughs> this and, and here's the thing, if I'm being honest, it makes me cranky. And I've talked about this before to you, to the listener. I love surprises and I love surprising people. And when we issue a, a new label to the DT, TTB and it gets approved, it's public record. And therefore it's meant for anyone to be looking over but it ruins that possibility for a surprise but to me it's 
It's not yeah. just that. Okay. It's the fact that we're submitting placeholder labels. And then well, that placeholder yeah. <laughs> gets shared like it's the final thing. And then we have to undo the information that's been shared through the placeholder to then promote, provide the information that's going on the final label. And so it's the undoing that I find kind of annoying and that makes me a little cranky when we when we're still working on final notes, final tastings, getting tasting notes that are as close to bottling as possible. Yeah. The labels go in before anything can kick off for the bottling. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's the order in which things are done. And that that's the one that makes me a little bit cranky. Grinds my gears. Grinds your gears. Yeah. So however here we are, and and so so anyway, the reason the way I knew the TTB had approved these labels, aside from our our bottling hall letting us know that the labels had been approved, <laughs> is I had gotten a text from someone I don't normally get a text from about these things, and it was a shop owner texting the Impex sales rep, saying, "Oh boy, oh my God, we have to have this for the store." And, and that person oh just forwarded the, the text to me or just, you know, the idea of the text. And so as a reminder, whether you, you're a shop owner or a bar owner or, or just a, a consumer, this is online only, right? So it goes through the whole three-tiered system, right? A, a store ships yep. it out. But this is an online exclusive. You will not find any, any of what we're about to share on store shelves. This is online only, singlecastnation.com. So we have uh, two wild turkeys, two 10-year-olds, and people will notice mm-hmm. if you go on the TTB website, one of them says 57.75% alcohol, <laughs> and the other one says 59.85% alcohol. Neither ABVs are, are likely correct. Placeholders. <laughs> but, but we needed, place we needed a placeholder. So... So let me let me tell you, and by extension, the listeners, what our two wild turkeys are. So again, 10-year-olds. The first one uh, distilled September 2012 from Tyrone Warehouse K, the fourth floor. This is cast number 210145. And we think we're going to get about 160 bottles from it. We don't know. We'll see. Uh, and then the other one, this is this one, if memory serves, this is the one that really floated my boat the most. Um, and this was cask 220949 from Camp Nelson Warehouse B, the sixth floor. And that was distilled in May 2013 and it will, should be bottled in May 2013, 2023, sorry. And and here's unless it's bottled in June, unless it gets bottled in June, and or July or August or <laughs> and, September, and then it won't be bottled in May. <laughs> <laughs> but here, one thing that I want to point out for people who don't pay the closest of attention, we have named these two casks because they're both ten years old, and upon upon first blush, if you don't look at the fine points of cask number and distillation date. You could get the two confused. So our 10-year-old from the 
from Tyrone Warehouse K is known as, actually, let me do this in reverse. Our 10-year-old from Camp Nelson Warehouse B is called Raiders of the Charred Oak. Mm-hmm. And then our other one from Tyrone mm-hmm. Warehouse K <laughs> is known as the Cask Crusade. So perfect. Yeah, so there Stop you go. Stop calling me Junior. <laughs> What's so funny is I know that that's Indiana Jones's line. But in your Scottish accent, it sounded like, uh, what the hell's his name? Come on, Nat. Come on, Nat. Why am I forgetting his name? Turning it. Scottish actor. (laughs) Oh, what's his name? Oh, it's Roger Moore. No, it's not Roger Moore. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. No, that's not him. Uh, The Highlander. The, The French guy. No, that's not him. Uh, the guy from that cancer movie. No, that's not him. This is too much fun. This Russell Crowe. No, that's not him. What the hell is it? Sean fun. Connery. Yeah, so Sean, <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> so when you said that Indiana Jones line, I heard it in the Sean Connery voice. Stop calling me Junior. Anyway. <sighs> Come on, Junior. Stop calling me Junior. So those are two wild turkeys, but we have two other W's, <laughs> two other W-related distilleries we've worked with. So we have another bourbon. This time it's a six-year-old from the Woodenville Whiskey Company mm-hmm. out of Washington State. And that mm-hmm. is, that was a six-year-old actually selected by our very own, our once very own, uh, our Elijah once, Ammon. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's cracking as well. Absolutely cracking. Yeah, we trusted yeah. him entirely with the with the selection. Boom, he pulled it off. Easy peasy. Yeah. And then we all got to be together. Jess, Sweet Scott, Elijah, you, me, whole bunch of, of friends. Foster, yeah. who we, we yeah. often read emails from. Sweet Scott. We all got to be together yeah. at Woodenville. It was uh, a tremendous, tremendous gathering. And and Woodenville impressed i was my first trip to it loved it couldn't have been taken care of any better than we were it was really cool really cool distillery and and cool product really really delicious i was just having a little bit of a facebook conversation with one of our nation members you know maybe an hour ago and and my words to this person was that a we, we had everybody on the team out to the distillery. And what struck me was we, we were in a distillery filled with people who simply gave a shit about whiskey. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. And, and the fact of the matter is, I think you can say that about any distillery, but it, it's so clear. Like they, they really wore the love for what they do on their sleeve. And, and that, mm-hmm. that's what turns me on. Like, Plenty of distilleries make great whiskey. It's really nice when people are super passionate about it. That's all. Absolutely. And, and here you have an LVMH distillery. Yeah, right? right. Yeah. Like still has an American thumbprint, still has an American staff, still has 
an incredibly, just like Jackie and Ardbeg, an incredibly welcoming front of house that make you happy to be there and, and spend your time there. Yeah, nice yeah, just just wonderful there, yeah. all round. So sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to derail that. I just kind of got yeah. a little bit excited about Woodenville for a moment. I, so I, forgive me, indulge but, me. But I do like what you say, right? A lot of people say, "Well, they're owned by LVMH." So is Art Beg. Doesn't matter. Jackie Thompson runs her distillery in a fantastic yeah. way, right? Yeah. They're yep. running their distillery yep. offense. Anyway, yep. so, but well, so it's like it's like saying Remy owns Westland, right? We also went to Westland on that trip and had yeah. an amazing time at the downtown <laughs> distillery. Got incredibly well taken care yeah. of. A bunch yeah. of nerds hanging out together as well. Like yeah. It, yeah, you know, you. I, I'm trying to be. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'm trying to be better about it. The Balcones, you know, ownership under Diageo. Just because there's a big named faceless global conglomerate attached to a distillery doesn't mean there's not passionate, knowledgeable people engaged with that distillery day in and day out. We must not lose track of that. Well said. Well said. Thank Um, you. Now, the the final W in, and I'm going to call this W a win. Uh, the final W distillery. This is a new distillery for us. Just like Woodenville is a new distillery collaboration with us, this is a newer mm-hmm. collaboration as well. And this is with Westward Distillery. And this is a six, another six-year-old, but this is single malt from New Chart American Oak, and that's um, a number two char as well. So a slightly softer char that I think really helps that malt stand out. I'm so mm. excited. Me, Elijah, our good friend Johnny Balderay, a.k.a. Whiskey and Donuts, went out to meet mm-hmm. Miles Monroe and some of the other team members at the distillery. And, right, again, people who give a shit. So that's that's who we like to work <laughs> with. Um, and then finally, uh, we are going to be bottling our second... Uh, whiskey from mm-hmm. Virginia Distillery Company. And so our first one was a five-year-old from a first fill sherry butt. And that sherry butt Indeed. held both Oloroso and PX. This time around, this is an STR hogshead. And you brought that sample back and we tasted it. I forget where we were when we tasted it. D.C. Yeah, we were in D.C. Nice little connection back to uh, Bill Thomas Indeed. here. Um, and just friggin' blown away by how magical that whiskey yeah, was. Really, ex- we're proud of all of these. I'm so yeah. excited that we got, oh, this is a brilliant use of this word, we got a buttload of nation members into VDC with our first launch, right? That first yeah. Phil Sherry butt, right? Yeah. Gave us 600 plus bottles to sell. And we did. We, we've gone through them all, sold them all. Now we're going to bring in, well, I guess we need to do the, the math on it once it gets to the bottling hall. But uh, mm, you're, you're a ish. bit more bold than I am at throwing numbers around. But yeah, Seven it's bottles. under 300 Seven is the takeaway, right? Yeah. Right, right. Takeaway is it's, <laughs> it's under 300. So, yeah. so, so here we are. Like, I think this will disappear from the site. Real, real fast, just as a heads up, you know, that sherry butt really resonated. Incredible, incredible bottling. And yeah, 
I'm I'm so proud of the STR. I'm working with Amanda and Brian, who we had on, on a previous episode, where the enthusiasm that they have, more good people working at a distillery, taking yeah. the spirit really seriously, maturation really seriously, quality of their wood maturation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Really seriously. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all all excellent all the way down and yeah really excited to get them all out as we always say but for the one distillery that's an hour from my house i might be even a little bit more excited (laughs) it's hard it's hard not to have some local pride in this fair enough fair enough uh jason was there anything else oh the last thing that i'll say is you know right now we we have some of this scheduled for bottling in may However, plans change all the time. Things change all the time. And so if you're interested in these, I know a lot of people on Facebook have, have shown interest, and I'm sure we're going to get plenty of emails off the back of this episode. Just stick with us. If you're not, on, if you're not a Single Cast Nation member already, just sign up, singlecastnation.com. It's a free membership, and that'll give you the link to join our Facebook page, We'll put news there. We put news, we email our news out. We never spam you. We never sell emails. None of that. Just sign up. Get all of the information. If you're trusting our website for up-to-date news, remember that this comes out every other week. So you're better off <laughs> becoming a member and getting news a bit with a bit more immediacy. Um, but to yeah, your point, Joshua, yeah. we are technically not ready to share the information about these bottles, right? No, we yeah. We don't share pre-bottling information. However, when the labels get shared and the nation starts asking us questions about, hey, what, why is there no Woodenville on your website when I saw this label come out? Yeah. We got to say, okay, the reason you're seeing it is because of the reasons we've already given today in this episode. Yeah. But... You know, I, I hope our nation and I hope people listening to this episode don't think we are choosing to share this information this early, right? Our hands are tied a little bit, right? We're forced a little <laughs> yeah. bit, which was in your yeah. introduction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're we're responding to questions that we have been getting because of the actions of those who share placeholder yeah. labels. The, the only other thing that I'll add to this, and, and I think that this is important, and you may give me a side glance, Jason, for even bringing this up because you're so good at your side glances, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. we've been in collaboration with Wild Turkey for eight years now. We're, we're now in our eighth year of working with them. And until this year, they have not changed prices. <laughs> And I think yeah, they've, they've figured out, wait a second, we should have been slowly raising our prices with you guys. So we had always sold our wild turkeys for $101 per bottle, and it was just a nice nod to the distillery itself. But prices have gone up quite considerably. And, and here's the thing. If you're a bourbon drinker, this should not take you by surprise this is bourbon. Yeah. This is this is what's happening. Yeah. It took us by, we weren't ready for it, but we get it, and and of course we're going to support them. They support us and, and and all that, but just know 
that we cannot charge 101 for these bottles. It will be more. We don't know exactly how much more. We'll find out once we know the number of bottles that come from each cask. Yeah, so. you you led that by suggesting I might give you side eye. I'm 100% behind you sharing that with the listeners. Do you have anything to add to our news? I hope not. I mean, if you do, that's fine. But there was another email I wanted to get to, or two. Oh, I'm glad you've got an email in the chamber. I'll get us out of the... Oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't said in the chamber. That's a Joshuaism that I don't want to adopt. But here I am. I still want to give props to Jess, to ROW. It is making it into stores across the UK now. It is at big retailers. It is at small retailers. It is at retailers who would ship to America, if that's of interest to you. They may very well ship to other countries, if that's Mm. of interest to you. Germany have placed their order, and, and Jess is working diligently to get these bottles to Germany. So if you're listening in from Germany, should be coming your way shortly. Uh, Israel has placed their order. So Jess is working on that as well. Japan has interest. Sweden, we're in the works. And Canada, gosh, we just launched a whole bunch of stuff in Canada that is not part of this release. So Canadians have got plenty to be drinking. Before we we get into the new livery and the new offerings for them. But we're always around the world. There's always stuff out there floating Mm -hmm. around. And the UK is definitely your friend. So, yeah, great release, great bottlings, good feedback starting to come in, uh, which is great to hear. Listen, I've got, I have two emails. Actually, it's three emails, but one of them is one guy. Holy shit. Well, we actually have far more than that. So one is an email, and then that person uh, a day later sent a follow-up. So, and I'll tell you, the subject line made me a bit nervous. So this is from one Angus Smith. And this came in on uh, 15th of April. And the subject line is simply fact check. (laughs) Yeah, I get nervous, right? Because sometimes we say things and we think we know things and then sometimes we don't. But um... (sighs) Oh, just before you continue, I'm actually transitioning from my Glenmurrian Sauternes to my Glenmurrian Marcella. Uh, You know what? I'm going to do the same. So this one, the Glen Murray and Mar- again, these, what Jason and I are drinking were distillery exclusives bottled in 2020. So what we're having, <laughs> you won't be able to find on store shelves. You may be able to find them in auction, no. but um, really just Glen, Cast Strength Glen Murray. How great is Cast Strength? I mean, Glen Murray is just a beautiful spirit it's as best. it is, but. It's the best. Cast Strength Glen Murray is the best. Oh, so great. So great. Um, so Angus Smith in his fact check email says, Howdy, fellas. Longtime fan of the show. Messaging in from a rainy um, Adelaide, South Australia. 
Oh, from down there. He's from down there. Yeah. He says, "Wonderful." "In, In regards to your last episode discussing an upcoming bottling of Kregeliki, the topic of worm tubs came up. Specifically, their role. <laughs> Go easy, Jason. <laughs> Angus, we don't talk about the worm tubs. <laughs> we, we, Not Jason. the worm tubs episode. Jason, <laughs> this is the seven year, seventh year itch. We need to get that fucking episode just done and dusted. We're going to Scotland specifically to go to Forsyth's. Specifically to go to Forsyth. Um, so, so in your last episode discussing an upcoming bottling of Kregeliki, the topic of worm tubs came up. Specifically their role in condensing distillate. And mm-hmm. and he said he goes on and he says just wanted to make note that worm tubs actually provide much less copper influence to distillate during condensation than shell and tube condensers, which I knew, and I know you know. Correct. But Correct. he's suggesting that maybe we said something to the opposite, mm. to the contrary. But let me continue. He says, this is largely due to the lower copper surface area to distillate vapor flux ratio. It's also far easy. What's that? Yeah, no, right. Really well said. said. It's also far easier to control the temperature of the vapor as a function of length process through the condenser with shell and tubes, meaning the distillate can be kept as a vapor for longer, maximizing the thermal reaction potential with the copper by running the counterflow water in the outer shell at a lower rate and or a higher temperature. Mm-hmm. I like this. This is this is graduate level. I enjoy this. I, I just, I really want us to sit with that for a second because that's how I understand it. But I love the way he was able to communicate all of that yeah. in such a succinct and and um, graspable manner. Anyway, I thought that was fantastic. So anyways, mm-hmm. he continues. He says, thanks for all the great content and apologies for the abject nerdism. So two things here. No apologies needed. A, he does have a follow-up, and then I'll go with B. His follow-up, which is his email that came the next day. Sorry, fellas, a correction (laughs) regarding my last email. It was a very old episode of yours, episode four of 2017 with Mark Watt. And I'd been working my way through some of older episodes (laughs) and the detail caught my ear. So that's A. So So he's got an older episode. But the reason why I said there's A and there's B, B... I don't recall ever saying anything to the contrary. I thought that my understanding was in line with what, and Angus, by the way, goes by Gus. Soft G or hard G? Oh, is it? I think it's Juss. <laughs> Juss. Oh, my gosh. Angus, this is our first time <laughs> reading your name on here, and now your new yeah. nickname is or Juss. Angus. Or Angus. Or Angus. Or how about just Jess? Softly close to our own dear Jess. It is, yeah. Okay, anyway, I don't recall saying anything to the contrary. My understanding was part of the reason why there's less copper contact with that distillate going through the worm tubs 
is over time, there's actually a bit of, well, this is one of the things, right? Over time, there's a film that that forms in the worm tubs as it goes through. And even the distillate, is, the distillate as it's flowing through that worm is getting less copper contact because of that film that grew on there that you can't really clean. I mean, you can replace parts of the worm itself if you wanted to, but it's yeah. it goes back to that example of Klein Leash who do who do not have a worm tub, but when they cleaned their system out, it got rid of the waxy texture. So you got to be real careful about what you're cleaning and what and when you're leaving well enough alone. Yeah, a couple of things I would say there. Number one is you you said the film grows that the film doesn't grow right. Not like that's grow, the wrong but, but image. It, 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 right, it, it, it layers. Of, it, right? layers. it layers. Thank you. Yes, yes. Layers. Right. I didn't want grow to be attached to that because then yeah. it sounds like bacteria, yeah. and that's obviously happening in the washbacks. So correct. There are things, yeah. things growing in the wooden washbacks that can be positive. And second thing is, highly recommend anybody going back to the Stephanie McLeod episode, mm-hmm. where we spoke to her about Craigellachie and worm tubs and. And she kind of had a careful description of that. Third thing I would say is it's possible that we that we said two things at the same time, which is worm tubs are known for having these long worms of copper. It sounds like more copper is involved in the process, right? At least to the eye. You know, mm. it'll Pultney or at Pultney where they talk about, you know, 23 feet of worm tub, mm, right? Mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. sounds like that's 23 feet of copper, right? And so I think it's, on one hand, we can talk about there being this increasing copper, this to the eyeballs abundance mm-hmm. of copper, while then talking about there being less copper contact involved in the the slow condensing of the spirit. Yeah. So... Yep. Until we until we have the worm tub episode, we're we're never really going to lay any of this to to rest, and uh, it will be a, a a constant back and forth. Okay, this this last email came in. It actually came in in February. Sounds like us. Makes me feel comfortable. P- part and it was meant to be in part of the mailbag episode, which we couldn't get to simply because. It, it was a slightly shorter episode this year. We had Jess and Elijah with us, um, but I wanted to bring this one up now because there's a and bit we of a driving game. in a car, and we were driving in a car. Uh, yes, we were. Um, there's a bit of a game to this, and I know that you often like to incorporate games. I do indeed. Into our love, into our into our conversation here. So games keep it fresh. <laughs> so this email came from Ben Homan, which I, I know you know the name, local Connecticut guy, and uh, part of my local whiskey group. And he says, hello, JJJ and EJ. Absolutely. He says, you wanted more questions, so here we go. <laughs> I love Little did just... he know we would get to it in the May episode. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. And then this will just have to be you and me, seeing as Jess is not here and, and neither is Elijah. If you could interview anyone, alive or dead, from the whiskey mm. community, 
Who would it be and why? This could be a distiller, a blender, a shop owner, etc. Even just someone who influenced you in some way in the whiskey community and doesn't necessarily work in the industry. Alfred Bernard. Okay, and why? I mean, so first off, for those who don't know right. Alfred Bernard, please explain <laughs> who he is. And that may right. be the why, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you've got the author of a 19th century, seriously thick coffee table book on the whiskey distilleries of the United yeah. Kingdom, right? Like, mm-hmm. you and I sit here and we think about the 1980s as the last significant downturn in the whiskey industry. Yeah. And, and, and single malt, you know, specifically. Sure. And, and we've watched this rise through the 1990s, 20s, 2010s, and, and now here we sit in the 2020s. And, and we've now got this 20, 30, 40 year lived history. Hmm. But there's nothing for us before that. Yeah. And to get a chance to talk to Alfred Bernard about his lived history and what did that second half of the 19th century look like, knowing that we would then have the Patterson crash at the start of the 20th century, right? Yeah. How did it how did it all look? How did it all feel? What was the tenor? of the industry in the late mm. 19th century. Mm-hmm. I just think that would be absolutely fan- fascinating. And the fact that I'm sitting here in 2023 with his book not even an arm's length away from me. You know, did he think there would be longevity to the book that he put together on yeah, that that's trip that he yeah. took, yeah. right? The fact that I can be, and I, I can't think of the publication year off the top of my head, but I think it's the 1880s. And here we are 150 years removed from one another. And his words are not even an arm length away from me. Yeah, yeah. In Virginia, in the United States. Like, what an achievement. That's remarkable. So, yeah. that's my answer. There you go. Yeah, I, I thought about this for a little bit, and and one of the thoughts <laughs> that I had was I would love to interview John Walker, right? I mean... Oh, yeah, another good one. That's excellent. Right. Just, I mean, you have the birth of independent bottling through a, through a grocery store owner turned blender, right? That's so cool. But, and there are many other examples, but the one that I landed on was uh, actually Harrison Ford because oh. he because he's a massive whiskey fan, a huge fan uh-huh. of of Brooke Lottie, and we get to talk uh-huh. about movies as well and 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 his work. So so that's who I landed on. Um, all right, so we, there's there's a bit more to this, right? Oh, can I just circle back for one second? Oh yeah, go ahead. Alfred Bernard's book was published in 1887. Since then, Angus Smith fact-checked us on the worm tub, I'm just being precise in what I'm presenting, at least for Juss. the next five minutes. It's Just. <laughs> just Smith. 
<laughs> and then uh, question number two from Ben. What do you think is the most underrated distillery in the world? Who needs more praise mm. than they get? I think you go first. I went first the last time. You take this one. The trouble is it's, it's 50 deep. It's 100 deep, right? You and I know so many producers and so many quality spirits out there that could use a, yeah. a, a light I mean, shone on them. How do you pick one? And, and is this, you know, still standing or, or a distillery that is no longer around? Let, let's, go with, let's go with still standing. I think that's, that's, likely, that's likely fair. Top of mind. Man. So two come top of mind. And that would be Glenn Talkers, which we, we've, we've talked about many times on this <laughs> don't, podcast. Don't say Glenn Talkers. <laughs> those, <laughs> those secondary cast lists do not think it is <laughs> underrepresented, underthought of. They think it's McAllen. And so Glenn Talkers is not working. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Why are these? <laughs> anyway. Uh, Same is true for Manuk Moore. Manic more pricing is I know. ridiculous. Manic more is crazy. No right? one's Manic heard Moore's of Manic cracking. More. What's that? <laughs> right, Manic more's cracking. Absolutely cracking liquid, but it shouldn't be sold at the same price as you know, bloody. Ah, no, it's anyway. Just, anyway. Uh, Jason loses the power of speech. Moving on. And actually, I'll, I'll say three. Oh, I, I, do I have to say just one? I have to say just one. Okay, then I would say Ardmore. Wow. I think wow. there's. I think their spirit is so pretty. Wow. It's f- it's both floral and delicate, while having a really nice sort of barbecue peaty backbone to it. It it really it seems wow. to be living in two worlds at at all times. And when I have Teacher's Highland Cream, which is I think a blend everybody should have on their shelves at, at any given time. It's the backbone to to Teacher's Highland Cream, and, and it shines. Yeah, I, I think Ardmore is is one people should be paying more attention to if they can. Wow. I, I'm just, I'm surprised because it's a Beam Suntory distillery that mm-hmm. often shows up at tastings or at festivals right alongside Laphroaig, which maybe, to your point, overshadows. Yeah. But if you're if you're getting that presence, that delivery, to still be underrated is is surprising to me, and I and I, I like your justification. I, I like I like you going to bat for the spirit because the spirit is That's free what it's about. from ownership yeah. and free from marketing. Right? There you go. There it's you the go. spirit being produced by the people on the ground, the people at the distillery. Exactamundo. I'm also surprised you went with a scotch. Why would you be surprised I went with the scotch? Is scotch in the question? Scotch whiskey is my favorite spirit in the world. I, I just, I, I, I think they're first. And then I have to force myself <laughs> to, 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 to every other country and every other whiskey producing country. I just that's where that's where I live. Interesting. Interesting. I, I just think I mean, of yeah. every Scotch being more well known and, and more 
well rated than any other global spirit. But this is well, yes. So so that's true. But if we're just thinking about distilleries that should that are highly underrated, Ardmore I think is is the perfect example because it's put up there with Lafroig and with Beaumore and with Glengarry and and yet it's like that one that are like oh and also Ardmore mhm you know and 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 it's more than that because the spirit is really nice and i'm sure you can say the same for for other countries and other distillates and things like that but scotch is is it's my favorite drink scotch whiskey so so i start there jason interesting all right interesting. so so that that makes me think that you're going to go with a non scotch <laughs> There's clearly one distillery I'm going to say here that was true five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that is no longer true. And you know exactly what I would say. (laughs) Come on, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. If it's not Glenn Talkers as Jason's pet project. What? What? Well, it's what? no longer true. Everybody ignored Springbank, and now it's the pappy of of Scotch whiskey. And that's sure as hell not one I was going to say. All right. <laughs> Come on. Glenn Talkers and Walt were Jason's two go-tos. Yeah, that's it's the or what. I can't remember what the or what was. <laughs> and when you say it, I'm going to be like, oh, of course. <laughs> given, given that you couldn't remember Sean Connery's name previously, yes, um, I'm not I taking remember offense. His name. <laughs> I'm just more concerned about your health. Oh, oh, Jason, <laughs> Jason, it's yeah, got Joshua. to be. If we're talking Scottish distilleries, this is my Sean Connery voice. If we're talking Scottish distilleries, it's got to be Tobermory on the Isle of Mull when they make Lechig. Is it Lechig? Exactly. 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 But, holy moly, have far too many people said Lechig is underrated. I know. I know. know. It's now highly rated. It's killing me. Absolutely killing me. Um. So here's, I'm, I'm actually going to pull an answer that I was thinking while you were talking. I'm, I'm going to keep us in the land of Scotch, just, just to keep this clean and tidy. And we, we can go global another time. But I absolutely love the spirit from this distillery. And... It's not as prevalent in the United States as it used to be. That makes me very, very sad. Hmm. It's a distillery that I've championed for a very long time. Hmm. Even though in its very earliest days, it was not good. And I made no qualms about saying it wasn't good. But I think it's one of the most reliable distilleries. It now has a sister on the same island. 
Yep. As soon as you said it used to not be good, and now now it's quite the opposite. <laughs> now it's amazing. I know exactly who you're talking about because I, I couldn't agree more. Continue, please. Right. And it's another A distillery. A. It's, it's the wonderful, well, it used to be, when I knew it, the Aaron distillery. Mm-hmm. And now it's the Locranza distillery. And so talk about pushing water uphill. You've just gone from the underrated, <laughs> not enough people know about it, Aaron, to the, oh, okay. So remember when you didn't know Aaron? Okay, now you now you need to know Locaranza. That That's the distillery name now, Locaranza Distillery. Yeah. It, how, how good is their spirit? How well does it mature? How good is their wood policy? under Ewan Mitchell. Yes. And how wonderful is it to have it in a very small holding, right? It's independent. It has a sister that's under the same independent ownership. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a wonderful modern Scottish success story. And just, just when the ice cream man had said that the people were lovely that he encountered in Scotland, and it made me so very proud, Aaron makes me so very proud. yes, yeah. Right? Yep. Grew up in Ayrshire, looked over the Firth of Clyde at the Isle of Arran to know there's two cracking distilleries on there now. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I just wish things were different with Arran in America. And I wish that I could tell more people to go to their local stores. To get it. And grab The Aaron's. I, I listen. I I could not agree with you more because, and and I love that you highlighted the the wood policy under you and Mitchell, right? Because prior to that, part of the reason why Aaron was not great is they didn't really have a a solid wood management program in place. And once that was sorted, once any casks that needed to be re-racked were then re-racked, and then new spirit was put into better wood. All that wood did was highlight how gorgeous, how impeccable their spirit is. And, uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, you know, and then there's our personal connection to the distillery where when we started this company, they had said, we want to be the first whiskey you bottle. They believed in us so much that, yes, of course that's your answer. That's perfect. Thank you for bringing them up. That's awesome. Those are two excellent questions from Ben Hall. Yeah. Listen, there, there's actually more, but but we're getting to the to the end of our episode here. Uh, maybe I'll bring up his other questions at a later date. Um, but you think you'll remember? Sure. Um. <laughs> hey Ben, give it a couple of weeks. If you could resend them. Yeah, Ben, that's a good idea. <laughs> or Joshua could save them as a PDF and put them on his desktop that he looks at every day, and we could pull it up for the next episode. I was actually thinking... Do it, do it, do it. I was actually it. thinking of saving it to an ASCII file. <laughs> you could... You could print it and then you could roll it up real tight and then you can stick it up your ass.
moving right along. Footloose and fancy free. Getting there is half the fun. Come share it with me. Moving right along. We'll learn to share the loan. You and I, Jason, have to do three things. We need to thank Bill Thomas uh, for joining us again. And Jason, thank you for for going up there and spending time with Bill. Um, a really... Easy peasy. Yeah, right? And he, he's just... He's such a good guy. And, and I, was, I was actually just really, really, really quickly, I was messaging with Frank Dobbins. You may not know that name, but you probably know Burb Your Enthusiasm. The Instagram oh. handle, Burb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, um, I actually knew the name more than I knew the handle. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, you, I was just messaging with, with Frank, who, who runs that, and, and we were just talking about what it is that Bill does for the whiskey community and industry. Mm-hmm, writ large mm-hmm. and what he's done and how he's done that through Jack Rose and in, in other ways and just how incredibly admirable it is. And and I think that it should just be highlighted. It's we talk about about 100%. Bill being busy and, and all this. Like, yes, he's busy trying to make the whiskey world a, a better place through the things that he does and, and it's incredibly admirable. Well, also, I will be at Premier Drams right now. The date is is July 1, July 2. I'm still waiting on confirmation on all of that. But if you're a listener of One Nation Under Whiskey and you come to Premier Drams, reference the pad cost. Ah. And I will have something very special under the table, under the counter, under whatever I'm standing next to for people who say love the pad cost. There's a dick joke in there somewhere, but I'll leave it at that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You open the door, I'll enter it. Wow. Uh, So so thanks again, Jason. Uh, Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to Bill, of course. Of course. Uh, thanks course, to the listeners. Course. Thanks to uh, the ice cream man, Chris Hagen, mm-hmm. with a, mm-hmm. I would say, a soft G. I know he says a hard G, but G sounds softer than J. Just saying that. Um, oh, to have the confidence of a middle-aged white man. <laughs> it sounds like this to me. That's what I'm going to think moving forward. <laughs> and... Uh, and then, of course, thanks to to Ben and to Just Just Smith, uh, just from, down there, from down there, writing in. And now, the third thing that we need to do is raise our glasses and say cheers to our listeners. Oh, crumbs! I just emptied my glass. Why would you do that, Jason? <laughs> I was getting out of here. I poured more oh, of this, uh, Taryn. What did you What did you pour? I poured more of the Marsala. There you go. All right. All right, Jason. Base is covered. So to you, to Bill, to the listener, to all the people, cheers. Cheers.